Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. You are listening to episode 55 of With Heart and Wonder. Today I am joined by my dear friend Jen Walters, who I've been telling people is one of the coolest people that I met in 2021. I have truly adored getting to know Jen, and she is a person with so many talents, so much knowledge, and a lot of different areas. Uh, but one of her her passions is about our relationship between our environments and our own well-being. Jen has been practicing feng shui and yoga and meditation for over 25 years and also has a passion for mythology, which she weaves into this as well. In our conversation today, we explore this relationship between our environments and our well-being. We talk about the five elements. We talk about how to move through seasons of change and transitions in a way that we feel supported by our environments. And we talk about decluttering too and how to do it with grace. Welcome, Jen. I am just delighted to have you here. I've been looking forward to having you on with Heart and Wonder for months now. I know we first chatted about co-creating an episode together back in the summer, um, and I just adore you. I adore your work, and I cannot wait for everyone in the With Heart and Wonder community and any new listeners joining us to get to know you. Can you start us off by just sharing a little bit about you? Definitely. First, I just want to thank you for having me. I, I'm really honored to be here. So what I do is actually a really interesting combination. I am a feng shui consultant and also a wellness educator and researcher. And so much of my work is about weaving those two things together into a framework that I call the sanctuary shift. Yeah, can you actually tell us a little bit about the Sanctuary Shift, Jen? Because I know you've told me about it before and I am in love with the framework. I know it is very rich and in-depth, um, but uh, yeah, like uh, give us a little primer on it. Definitely. So it's actually based on the five elements from Feng Shui, as well as I trained in archetypal mythology and graduate school. And so it's based on the hero's journey as well. And how it came about is I was really thinking as we were deep in the pandemic about how, how are we ever going to come out of this? Like, what do we need to come out of this? Not intact, because we're going to be transformed. We're going to be different than we were before. But what are the tools, what are the allies we need to help us come back out from such a constricted place, from, from so much kind of having to, to change and let go of so many of our expectations, so many of our habits, so many things that we just kind of took for granted. And so I really started to think about the hero's journey and how we go into this underworld. And so for many of us, I think 
the last two years have felt like an underworld. There's been so much isolation and really um, so many people, so many of my students and my clients that I've been working with have talked about just having been transformed through Mm -hmm. this period. And so I started to think about what are the things that we need? And I realized how much the five elements overlapped with the hero's journey. So the five elements work in a cycle, a constructive cycle where one will produce the next. So earth actually creates the minerals of the metal element. And then metal element provides the the support and the container for water to gather. Water nourishes wood element. Wood element fuels fire and then fire turns wood into earth. And so it's it's this model that I think really can help us that I've put archetypes with each of the five elements for us to have something that we can call in and kind of hold on to when we're in each of these areas of, of that sanctuary shift. And for me, it was mostly about how can we, how can we be okay wherever we are, whatever season we are in, because we all have personal seasons, not just the, the seasons in nature. We all have these personal seasons. And so when I'm in the season where I am in that metaphorical underworld, how, what practices do I need to be okay? Because self-care should not be static. It needs to shift and transform as, as we shift and transform. And so in that underworld season, what are the practices I need? What are the archetypes I need? What can I hold on to? And then as I move into wood element, as I start to reawaken, a lot of, of people that I work with, it, it becomes this eagerness, this clawing, this impatience to get out from under that heavy, mm-hmm. that heaviness. And so really, how do we let that unfurl without over-efforting so that we're not clinging on our way down, holding on to the past, to the status quo. We're allowing ourselves to be at the bottom when we're in the bottom. When we're in the underworld, we're just allowing ourselves to be present there. And then how do we come back out in a way that is healing and nourishing and not um, not disrespectful of our spirit? Absolutely. In a way that, yes, that we're not trying so hard. There's so much in what you just shared so much that um could be explored and that we could talk about more uh and i would love to start actually by this idea of seasons and i i think one of the things so we do talk about seasons um in in some of my programs and and in my work and i noticed that the idea of seasons is a metaphor that really feels good for people um and it really offers a sense of compassion and permission and the idea that that we move through different seasons in a year and in our lives and sometimes that is influenced by the natural world and sometimes it's independent of the natural world but that that in all of those seasons our practices for self-care for wellness our relationship to ourselves and the world around us is is going to look different and i know when i talk to people you know it's i i say it's we we often think of like everything in this kind of more western capitalist society in these linear terms when 
so much of nature happens in a cycle. If we look at the moon, if we look at day and night, if we look at the seasons, um, and I think it's a really rich metaphor for us to come back to, but it's one that almost has like been drilled out of us. You know, we're we're, we're like we're we're in many ways. Um, attached to the idea that like growth and healing and everything will happen on a linear trajectory where we're just moving upward. Um, and so I would love to start with the idea of the seasons. And, and I'd love because you mentioned there a little bit the last two years. I'd love if we could talk a little bit about the season that we maybe have found ourselves in. And I know you and I were talking a bit about this before we started recording and um, and it was really resonating with me. I'm so glad. Um, so when in feng shui, when we look at the seasons, it runs in two year cycles. And this is common a lot across a lot of um, cosmology coming out of China. And so when we look at the seasons, there's the seasons within the course of a year, but then there's also these two year sequences. And so you might know if you know your, um, your astrology from China, that you are like, I'm a water ox. So I was born in the year of the ox and the element was water. And so it runs in two year cycles. We're headed into water for two years. But where we've been for this past two years has been metal element. And metal element has some incredible gifts, but it can also be challenging, as we've seen, I think, over the last bit of time. Um, some of the gifts are this persistence and this tenacity. And so, like, if you think about the analogy of, like, hardened steel, that metal element is really about hardening and clarity and that process of clarifying and really using that ally of metal element to be very discerning about what is serving and what is no longer serving and who are you now what identities are true to you now and what identities do you mean maybe need to shed mm -hmm. and along with that then the environment needs to shift as well to support who who that that new identity, that new person, that new facet of yourself that is becoming, we need to, we need to release some of the things, the tangible things that respond to that, old, that last self, that older self. And so metal years have to do a lot with being very um, discerning, very observant, um, a lot of clarifying. And then it can be the hard part, I think, is that cutting away piece that we get we get really afraid to let go, especially when it's the season of letting go, but we don't know what's next. Mm -hmm. There's this void in between that I was referencing calling the underworld because that's the archetype when we talk about that, but there's this void. There's this place where we don't really know what's going to happen. And it's so that because we're, we're very linear creatures, we like to know what's going to happen. So cutting away what we know doesn't work without being able to hold on to something that we know will work. Like taking that leap requires a lot of courage. And so metal element is also associated with courage and being willing to leap. You know, we cut away and we, and we leap. It's so interesting because before I even hopped on to our zoom call together, 
though I was just kind of, I always do a little check-in of thinking about the conversation ahead. And the word that was coming up for me, and I didn't entirely, I, I had ideas of, of how it might come up in the conversation, but um, the word was discernment. And I feel like what you were just talking about, about how sometimes we have to cut things away, but we don't know that leap, that that leap through the underworld of we don't know what's next. Um, and the fact that it can, that it, it's hard to tap into our own discernment when we feel that lack of stability. And I know that um, in some of my training with yoga and restorative yoga, with the metal element, one of the things um, that that is highlighted is this idea of like, in the metal element, we need to create stability for ourselves and create support and create that foundation, um, create those boundaries as well. But but also that there's a physicality to that, that, that like we can in our lives, like create like a physicality of, of supporting ourselves in restorative yoga, that's through the use of props and making ourselves feel really safe and supported during this time of transition. Um, and I wondered if we could talk a little bit about that, the physicality, especially you as someone who um, who works in the realm of the environment and how that impacts our, our sense of self and our wellness. Definitely. So when we are in a season of cutting away, I really like to focus on touchstones. Okay. What are the things that we can rely on? What are the things, and I'm talking tangible things, it can be intangibles as well, but what are the things that bring us comfort that are true to us no matter what? So for me, I've got an Afghan quilt that my um, my grandmother made, she crocheted it by hand. And so for me, that's a touchstone. That doesn't, like just because I've moved past that season in my life doesn't mean that that goes away. And so even when we are cutting away when we are shedding identities, there are things that are going to help anchor us to ourselves, even when we're in that place of not knowing. And so keeping some of those tangible things that resonate with us still can be really valuable. There's an analogy I use for the environment when I'm working with people who who are attracted to this, to feng shui. And that is this idea that our environment is almost like a memory foam mattress. And so we sleep in a certain way and over time the, the mattress it remembers us and so it gives way in certain places and it creates like this shape around us almost like you were talking about in restorative yoga. And what happens though is if we want to shift it's it's created almost this imprint of us being a certain way, acting a certain way, having certain habits, we need to shift the mattress. We have to fluff that mattress and change the the container if we are going to have space for something new to come in. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the shedding is. I think that's one of the powerful things about restorative yoga is you are taking shapes that are perhaps unfamiliar and you are holding them and just allowing yourself to be in that shape and feel a new sensation, feel a new experience. And I think our environment is very similar to that. I think that that they're really great analogies for each other. And so I like to use this idea of a memory foam mattress that, you know, if you want to sleep a new way, you almost have to get a new mattress. Mm-hmm. Where 
feng shui, you don't have to go get a new house or a new apartment. Um, but that we need to shift the container of our environment around us to support what's new. And metal element is actually great for that. All these people that have been talking about decluttering over the last two years, it's, it's great because that's using metal element as an ally, really looking at, at cutting away the belongings of what do I really need? What do I really want to be surrounded by? What affirms me and makes me feel good about who I am? And what are some of the things that maybe have a heavy energy or um, a nagging energy that those things, can I let go of them and move them on to somebody else who won't have those same energetic associations with them? Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, this idea of releasing, right? And, and um, I think is so powerful. And I know that the metal element is um, associated um with grief as well, and and that that is such a part of this shedding and letting go, um, and I I would love for us because I in in my work and those that I interact with and and just in being a human in the world in 2021, like there is so much grief, and I feel like you know you talked about the last two years being being one really dominated, and I feel like that that emotion of grief has really dominated. Yeah, so metal element is associated with the lungs, it's associated with grief, um, and it's it's really about that discernment and that vision. And so I think getting in touch with what works and what we need to let go of, it is a grieving process that, and we need to give ourselves permission to feel that grief. Even when we're releasing, like some people, when I ask them to clean out a drawer of socks, like there's something there that is touched upon. Um, it's funny, often clients, when I go to their homes, they say like, this is a lot more like therapy than I expected. Um, but it, that that there is this process of grieving as we release things, when we release identities, when we release relationships, when um, even positive things. So when when you get married or when you graduate from from university, all of those different shifts, there, there's a process of grieving because there's a letting go of something. Mm-hmm. And so use that metal element, I think, as an ally for that, that that to let us know that that grieving is okay and that we can be clear and we can be kind. So I think sometimes we think of truth as being very, very cold and analytical, very linear. And so can we give ourselves permission for our truth to be less linear that, you know, we're all kind of growing in a a non-linear kind of cyclical way and releasing and letting go is going to be a big part of that process Mm -hmm. just giving ourselves permission and being gentle what comes after metal is water element and water element is i'm excited because we're headed there for two years but it's all about stillness and allowing and just really resting and you know you can imagine it as just floating every summer i go to a lake in massachusetts near some family and one of my favorite things to do is just to float in the lake like I get in that lake almost every day for like half an hour 45 minutes and we're really active in the lake but there's always at least part of it where I just allow myself to be held and to be carried by the water 
And water is really interesting because it, it, I think the lesson in water element is really that our agency is not related to our action and that our power doesn't necessarily have to be what we do. It can be in just our essence yes. and that we can really just allow ourselves to hang and to trust. Yeah, that there, I talk about it as there's so much um, beauty and inherent like power and transformation in the being rather than the doing, but just in that being, you know, and, and embracing our own sense of enoughness without all of the external, you know, it's, it's just there. It's just inside of us. So yeah, that's, um, that's so beautiful. And, um, and if we, if we kind of circle back to this idea of, of creating, environments where we're able to release and shed and and let go and like you said create space for the new to emerge even without necessarily knowing what that new is yet um I know you had a a post I think it must have been back in the summer that I saw on Instagram where you had some really I I loved these tips that you had for how to approach like uh, um, a moment of decluttering. And what I loved about it was that it was preparing in a way the like the body, the mind, the heart, and the space for that decluttering to happen. Because I think sometimes when we go about something, we might recognize that there's a need to shed and let go, but we might approach that task, whether we're talking about decluttering or we're talking about something else in our lives, but we might approach it with more harshness and or more um, almost like uh, like white knuckling or, you know, we might approach it with an intensity or a fierceness that in fact throws our nervous system out of whack and maybe sets us up for feeling like shame or failure or whatever it may be. Um, and I know that in you and your approach, you really prioritize um, like letting letting the healing be be at the center and, and making sure our nervous system is regulating. And in this post, you had tips like putting on music and opening the windows to get the energy flowing. And I just loved it because it was so different love to. I love to. I actually lead two decluttering cleanses a year with my community. And I think it's such an important process and to really honor it with significant rituals that don't have to necessarily take a lot of time, but that realizing that that grief is there below the surface. Yes. And that we need a process to honor those feelings and that attachment that we have to these things. And so I always look at it as a process of first really setting an intention around what are we, what are we trying to create? What do, what do we want the space to feel like once we're done? Mm-hmm. So the, the mind is amazing that if we can imagine and call up an emotion, we can we can actually feel it within ourselves. So if I say what's what I want a joyful space or I want a very soothing and supportive space, that even just saying those words and imagining, visualizing that inside my mind, I get a visceral response because of the way our nervous system works. 
And so the first step is usually to set an intention. And then the second thing is to shift our own personal energy. And so yoga is a great way to do that. There's lots of tools that I share as far as simple ways, like you shared about turning on some music. Music really, that vibration really shifts energy in, in, in an exciting way. Um, and then it's it's about shifting the energy within the environment. And so the example of that is opening the windows and just letting things get stirred up a little bit. Mm. Clutter can get really sticky. Um, it's like an excess of yin energy in that it's very still. It's very, um, it kind of has like this heaviness, this lethargy to the energy. So it can get really sticky. And so... When I approach clutter, it's it's always about how do we raise our own personal energy, the energy of the space, so that then we can go into that process, which does, it's a charged, an emotionally charged process, feeling as high as, as we can get ourselves in that moment. And then we go into actually dealing with the belongings. And I like to keep decluttering to like 20 minutes at a time tops, because then we start to take on the energy of the stuff. And then it's mm -hmm. time at the end to wash our hands, make sure that we don't walk away with that stuck energy kind of attached to our own energy body. Wash our hands. Maybe we, if you're into crystals, you can put some crystals out. You can use a sound bowl. Um, I like to use salt even because salt's a very affordable crystal. Um, put out a bowl of salt. Like how do we, how do we then like shift that energy slightly so that it, it doesn't go back to the way that it was because clutter can be really these um in yoga we call it samskaras but like these really deeply ingrained grooves of habituated patterns and so like when i look at my home there are a couple of places where clutter always shows up and that's the kitchen island um, I have a 10-year-old who is definitely a collector, so he's got some clutter spots that he likes. It's right by the door. So we all have these clutter patterns. And so really being willing to step back and look at that with a lot of kindness and then shifting that energy, but also giving permission that we're not it's not like the TV shows make it look where you spend half an hour, you spend one day decluttering and then it's all done and you never have to declutter again. That's just not, that's not the way nature works. That's not how we work, that it's, it's cyclical. And we can use metal element, that discernment to help us. That fall tends to be a really good time. One of the cleanses I lead is around the autumn equinox. That tends to be a time where we can really tap into that metal energy and be very discerning about what works and what doesn't and what needs to stay and what needs to go. And we don't have to release it all at once. So I spend a lot of time giving people permission. You don't have to release it all at once. Maybe you just look for things that are torn and stained throughout your whole house. And that's, that's your decluttering for that year. And that's it. You know, we're just moving out what's already been loved and worn to the point where it's it's no longer in good condition. So my approach is very compassionate because I think one of the other things I do is I research the neuroscience and I train meditation teachers around neuroscience. And so I think I'm always looking for ways to avoid triggering um, the 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 protective response that and and so we want to we want to make small shifts we want to kind of tiptoe our way in make some shifts our brains don't love change even though we need to shake things up so often but it can be it can be really destabilizing 
And so we don't have to go in like a lot of the TV shows depict and make like these huge transformations. If anything, that can be really destabilizing when we're looking at change. It's, it's much kinder, much gentler, and actually will probably from what I've done working with people for you know 25 years, what I've seen is that when we go about it slowly over time, that those those changes they stick better that we're able to maintain those changes rather than when we try to do it all at once i just had a client who um she had a dress that she was able to release that had it had some negative connotation and the dress itself was beautiful and she's kept it for a while and during this fall cleanse she said she was finally able to separate the dress from the story that went with the with the dress and she realized that she just was no longer willing to live with a reminder of that story Mm -hmm. it was a is it was an event that was really unkind and it felt you know attached to the dress and so she was finally ready to to say okay yes this dress is beautiful but it also has this charge to it for me and so I'm going to donate it and let somebody else have it, that it doesn't have that emotional story. It doesn't have that narrative with it so that maybe it can be something positive for them. But that for her, seeing that in her closet day in and day out was just another reminder of not enough, not good enough, not loved enough, you know, not perfect enough. And none of us need those messages staring us in the face day in and day out. A lot of us have them. Um, but if we can look around and see what's telling us those stories, it's a lot kinder to let some of those things go. What was coming up for me as you were talking, um, because in a lot of ways, I think it's like the biggest lie or myth we tell ourselves about, uh, maybe, I, I don't know, is it change? Is it transformation? Is it living well? But is this idea of like the quick fix, you know, or like, and, um, and I think we don't even think we think that it is this like long lasting thing. But um, when I really s- sit with that idea of like the like, oh, I can do it all in a weekend and be done or I can do it once and, and be done. But is this idea of like, how do we be in relationship with, you know, and that idea of like doing something all at once and then being done, like it's then almost like we close the door and like hide that thing away and don't think about it anymore. And, but, but what I love about what you're describing is this idea that we are in a continual relationship with our environment and our possessions and our things. And like any relationship, we're adjusting as we need to, and we're we're changing course. Maybe we're letting things go, um, but it's not something like the idea of, of going through that act of decluttering, for instance, only once and then being done. I think um, it makes so much sense to me that we would want to be in an ongoing relationship with with everything that is around us, um, and maybe that feels like more daunting but I think that if we if we really like sit with that it actually opens up a lot more possibility for reclaiming a sense of like agency in our lives and that movement that you talked about right like avoiding that sense of stagnation um, and letting things stay fresh and flow and adapt with us through the different seasons of our lives so I was thinking about that as you were talking 
beautiful. I think that that's such a, a beautiful way to, to look at it and to reframe it. That, And I think that that really gets to the heart of of what feng shui is about, is about cultivating that relationship we have with our environment. And I think in the modern world, we, we have this belief that we are separate from our environment, when actually our entire nervous system and how we take in information if you look at the statistics around um, communication and how much of it is nonverbal, that scientists have said anywhere between 70 and 90% of communication is nonverbal. So we are constantly receiving these signals from the people and the things around us. And so for us to assume that we're not in relationship, that somehow we are separate from our surroundings, I think does us a disservice and it leads us to feel unease. Whereas if we can look at it as that relationship, that um, that there's this unifying that happens between us and our spaces and that our our homes or our apartments, the, the places where we where we spend a lot of our time and energy, I've, I've even feng shui like an RV, um, that 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 energy is important because it it's our own energy that our space is really um, a reflection of ourselves and it has this direct impact on our own energy and our own well-being and even i would imagine from the neuroscience perspective the thoughts that we're thinking every day you know if we think about like our environment i think we're a lot more attuned to thinking about the air that we breathe in and whether or not we have like, you know, healthy air in our environment. But but if we think about all of the visual stimulation that is around us and all of all of those things that are are creating thoughts in and maybe we're not experiencing them consciously, um, but things that are happening in our mind, um, I I can imagine um, that there's a, a whole lot there too that we could explore. It's so exciting. I, that makes me think of, I was working with a client in the summer and we were just talking about, she really wanted a relationship. But as, as I was giving her recommendations, she realized that there was no room in her apartment for, for a partner. And then she, she even had a bigger realization of there's not even room for her. There was no room for her and who she was becoming and who she was evolving into because she was surrounded by these things that were like recreating and reframing the past that she was Mm. all of her, all of her choices and habits had become codified, right? They've been made tangible around her. And so she wasn't leaving any room for not only a relationship to come in, but even for her own growth to continue. And so we ended up going through um, a pretty good decluttering, but again, over time in a really kind way. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know Jen, that you were telling me, um, about this really cool quiz that you're developing. Um, And I know that you were sharing that part of the quiz is to introduce people to the five elements and to get them thinking about um, the element that might be their ally in the season of life that they are currently in. Could you tell us a little bit more about um, your your kind of thinking behind creating this quiz and, and how it might be of service to, um, I know we're gonna include the link if anyone wants to check it out. I know I am going to be checking it out. I am so excited. So one of the questions I get most frequently is about how to work with the five elements. People are naturally drawn, I think, to the five yeah. elements. 
there's lots of other principles in feng shui, but the five elements, I think we all feel like this, this, there's something intrinsic in us that's drawn to this idea. But one of the biggest questions I get is which element, how do I know, do I use, like there's lots of formulas in feng shui. So there's your qua number, you could use the year of your birth. So like I'm a water ox, so I might need more water, but that's really one of the questions I wanted to help answer for people who maybe wanted a really simple answer instead of a more complex traditional answer is really thinking about what each of those elements brings to us as a gift, as an ally, and recognizing, which is a reflection and a discernment process, when when do I need that energy? So when do I need water versus fire? They're very different. I mean, even like I have a, a felt experience when I think about water and that floating that we described earlier. Yes. As opposed to the energy of fire and that really um, more young, more active kind of outward energy of fire. So each of them have like their own fingerprint. They're very unique. And so they have a they have different practices, they have different, um, just a different essence to each of them. And so I really wanted to create a tool for people to start to cultivate this relationship with the elements, but be able to um, identify it for themselves. Like I've created these questions that will help point you in the right direction. And then there's, the, the results are really, um, really fun to look at. So what are the qualities of each element and how can we start to begin? I call it like a first date. So what's the first date with that element look like? How can we bring it into our homes? What are some simple practices we can do to bring that element in and, and begin to cultivate that relationship? And then, and then we can deepen that relationship over time. But that I, I, the quiz is almost like me playing matchmaker, if that makes sense. And I love this metaphor of the first date <laughs> and the matchmaker. Like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> and so I think, you know, what if you're unfamiliar with the five elements in this in this way, it really can give you this opportunity to get to know an element. In a, in a way that maybe you haven't had that same relationship before. So I, I was so excited when I, I, the idea came to me that I could, I could create something that I could be a matchmaker and hopefully pair people up with, with a resource that's been really powerful for me in helping me with my own, my own journey and deal with um, you know the seasons that are hard, but also really celebrate and be joyful in the seasons that feel very light and bright and, and really just be present to what is in that moment. Because there's gifts in every element. Even metal element, while it's challenging, has those gifts of that discernment and that focus and that clarity. So that then as we move into some of the more active elements, that you you know you're you're clear you know you're headed the right direction you know those boundaries that you've you've clarified for yourself and so there's gifts around the whole cycle of of all of the elements and so getting to introduce people to those gets me really excited yeah and and i think is um one of the things that we talk a lot about on the, the podcast is like being open to possibility. And I feel like this idea of of working with the, the elements through the seasons, through our own seasons, really opens us up to a field of possibility 
that we maybe haven't considered before. And and it gives us a chance to play with heart and wonder, with curiosity. It gives us a chance to, um, to with fresh eyes, kind of um, see how we might gently let things shift and, and what that might open up for us. And I think that gives a lot of hope. And so I am just so grateful to every for everything that you've shared today. I feel like um, so much of what you've shared has been this beautiful reminder that there is hope and capacity within all of us um, to more gently be held in the seasons that we are in, whatever they may be. And I always like to ask people at the end if, if there's anything that's on your heart as we wrap up this conversation today, is there anything that feels unsaid or that feels like wants to come out of you and, and be expressed? I think that the the thing that I would love to leave this with is that um, I call them environmental affirmations, that it doesn't have to be on trend. It doesn't have to be something that you go and purchase that's luxury or beautiful, but that we can surround ourselves with things that love us back and that show us, um, they hold a mirror up to us and show us what's possible for us. And so that I call them environmental affirmations because I feel like they are those touchstones that we talked about earlier. So what are the touchstones that remind you that you are safe, that you are loved, that you are enough just as you are. And so that's, I think the last thing on on my heart is just making sure that people can take a look around and really bring those things forward in our homes because we all need, we all need to feel that right now. Could you give us an example of some maybe even that are in your home? Definitely. So I think for me, I have a tree in the area. So we've only gone into the five elements. There's a whole energy map called the Bagua. And I think of it as a mandala for the the different areas of the self. And so there's an area of the Bagua map, the energy map that is associated with family and community and health and well-being. And so in that area, I have a really healthy tree and that's my environmental affirmation for in that place that my family is strong and growing and we are flexible together and we're resilient and that my community is also all of those things. And so that is a really simple environmental affirmation that I have so that when I see that plant, I think about that resilience and that flexibility. And, um, and so that's just one simple reminder, but I think if you look at your artwork, if you look at the things that, the, the things that you take from place to place that you just have that attachment to, even really thinking about, is there a word that they're, they're whispering to you that um, maybe you haven't necessarily made it clear to yourself? Mm. Spending some time with that object and thinking about what exactly is it communicating to me and and bringing that closer. So looking at your nightstand, is your nightstand where you where you're really in this vulnerable sleep or intimacy place? Is your nightstand saying nice things? Um, is your is your closet because our identity is tied to our closet? Is your closet saying nice things? And so looking at all of those places, those 
opportunities really to affirm to ourselves that um, that we're, you know, even though we've been through this hard time these two years, that metal element has been has been hard for a lot of us, but that we're still here, we're still resilient, we're still hopeful, and we're really optimistic. And what does that look like? What does that vision look like for ourselves? Mm, that's so beautiful. And um, again, so imbued with possibility. And I was thinking as you were sharing that, I loved that you used the word whispers because we talk a lot about on the podcast of the whispers that are within us and i think in this episode you've given us so much to think about in terms of the whispers within us but also the whispers that are around us and that those whispers might not be coming from other people but might be coming from what what's in our spaces from those objects um that that are around us and i i think that opens up um, a lot of possibility for us to explore the relationships in with our environment, um, with, with what we hold close and with ourselves. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of your wisdom. It has been truly such a gift. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful time I've had. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us for our conversation today. I learned so much from Jen, I feel like I always do. And I'm telling you, I cannot wait to go check out this quiz that she has created. Uh, this is the one she was telling us where she gets to play matchmaker and you get to go on a first date with one of the five elements um, and really explore the gifts that that element has to offer. So the link to that quiz is in the episode description. I do hope you check it out. And if you do, I'd love for you to tell me what you got. What were your results? You can get in contact with me and continue the conversations from today over on Instagram. You'll find me at Megan L. Johnston or get in touch by email. You can get all the details on my website, meganjohnston.com. Until we meet again, keep living with heart and wonder.